Let's uh, lift up the name of the Lord as we go get ready for this morning's message. Would you pray with me? Uh, Heavenly Father, we cry out to you. Heavenly Father, we worship a big, big God. And you are incredibly powerful and mighty. And Father, we call upon your name, Lord, that your power and might and the Spirit of God, your Holy Spirit would just flow in this church, Father, that we would be obedient to you and listen to what you have to say for us, Father, that you'd grow us and shape us and transform us, Father. And we we just cover our body. We lift up the name of Jesus here, Father, for those that are hurt or sick or or grieving, Father. We lift up um, uh, Gabriel Epp this morning. I pray, Father, that you continue to heal and restore his hearing, Father, and, and that you would just restore his, uh, his ear there, Father. Also for Dee Yonke, Lord, as she learned about her sister passing away this morning. I just pray you cover her family and we just encourage them, Father, and be with them as she's home in your presence now, Father. Father, we thank and we rejoice over uh, a good surgery for Nancy Billings, Lord. We pray you continue to uh, heal her up, restore her body. I pray that she would just get rest and, and strengthened over these next couple days. But we thank you for that good surgery this last week. And Lord, same with Sharon Johnson as she continues to recover, Lord, as the, the kind of the, the, what's going on with her leg, that it would just be clearing up, Lord, and that you would make a way and get her stronger. And Father, that just restore her so she can go home. And uh, we pray that over her. Father, we also lift up a woman in our church that's been struggling with a virus that just kind of keeps coming back. And Lord, would you heal her? Would you restore her through the blood of Jesus? That's what we pray over her, Lord. I thank you for Shirley Jance getting a, a wonderful surgery this last week so she can feel stronger and healthier, Lord, and she's recovering, Father. Uh, so, Father, we lift her up, and I pray also for a man in this community that has cancer. His name's Corey, Lord. We just lift him up, that you would encourage him, strengthen him, Father, that he would trust you and lean on you, Father, that you would heal him as you uh, give, use the doctors and the healing through that, Father. So we just lift up those this morning that might be discouraged, Maybe exhausted, full of anxiety, you're stressed out, maybe uh, just walking through a difficult season. Would you lift them up? Father, we also thank you for your goodness and your blessings and how you how do encourage and you restore. And so, Father, we trust you and we thank you that every dollar comes in, Father, that will be used for your kingdom, for the glory, for the name of Jesus be in this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. We're going to be in Acts chapter 19 this morning. We've been walking through the, the book of Acts, and uh, we've just been walking through and seeing God do incredible things through the Holy Spirit. That there, Friend, I want you to know there is power in the Holy Spirit. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see that today. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that we would trust Him. We see, uh, you know, changed lives. Maybe you'd be refreshed in the Lord. Maybe He would do a new work in you, and maybe there's an area that you've been struggling to kind of turn over to Him, and you just trust Him with it today, that you'd rest on Him and and receive it. So uh, we're going to see in Acts chapter 19 today, Paul is going to go to Ephesus. And I just want to tell you a little bit about Ephesus. Paul visited at the end of his second missionary journey. In chapter 18, he visits real briefly Ephesus, shares the gospel, and then kind of leaves and goes on to Antioch. He's coming back. He says, I want to go back to Ephesus, and I want to spend some time there. Just a little bit about Ephesus. Ephesus was an incredibly influential city. It was a large city in the world at the time, probably fourth, fifth, sixth largest city in the world. About 300,000 people lived in the city, maybe a couple hundred thousand more outside the city. It was no for major trade routes. It was also a gateway into Asia. And so it was just a a lot of influence there. But the thing about this city is there was a lot of demonic influence as well. 
And there was a lot of oppression. They would worship at this temple known to the goddess of Artemis. Okay, the goddess of Artemis was the goddess of fertility. And that's who they would worship. They would go there. And this temple was amazing. Okay, some of you may have heard of the Parthenon. This was twice as big as the Parthenon, like 110, 15 different pillars that would support this. It was something very substantial. And they would worship in the city, in the courtyard there outside of this temple of the Artemis was full of prostitutes. And uh, because of fertility, they thought that would be one way to worship that God. And so that was a very darkness was over this city. There was just a lot of evil. And, you know, it seemed like uh, the evil had a very strong grip on this city in different ways it, it played out. And so we'll see that as well in this city. Something that was kind of interesting in the, in the middle of this temple was a stone that was this very large stone that fell from the sky. Most people believe it was a meteorite that fell. So they believed that there was power there, that they would come and worship at this stone and this god of this, the, the, this village of the Artemis is where they would village. So they would worship there. So I want you to know that's where this is all going to take place. And so we're going to dive in here. What we're going to do is we're going to read part of this passage. We're going to break down what it means for us, and then we're going to continue on. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 19, verse one. Now, I want you to know it's pretty incredible. This is where Paul chooses to go, to this city that's very dark. And he knows that people don't feel like they have any value. And he says, we need to hear the hope of Jesus. God needs to intervene here and work. So he knows he has a mission. That's where he wants to go and feels called to go. And so we're going to see him go there. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And when it happened, and it happened that when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So Paul runs into some disciples, some people that had heard about Jesus, knew a little bit about Jesus, but didn't know a lot. Okay, so they just kind of picked up a little bit about Jesus. So what happens there? And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So he asked them, he's like, wait a second, what do you know? And he says, where were you baptized? Were you, do you know of the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't even know of this Holy Spirit. We were baptized in John. So what had taken place here is Apollos, okay, John the Baptist, um, came as foretelling of Jesus Christ. And he told everybody, you need to repent. There is the hope of a risen Savior coming in Jesus Christ. He was paving the way, and he was kind of making this known. Well, he tells it to Apollos. Apollos knows it. He had visited Ephesus and told them, hey, you guys need to repent. So that's what they had heard. They had heard of the, the, the baptism of repentance, but they didn't know of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, I, I need to fill in the gaps here. He tells them about what hope there is in Jesus Christ and in the blood of Jesus Christ. And they come to believe in Jesus Christ and trust in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on and says to them, and they said, they have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And then what were you baptized into? Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men altogether. So what happens here is they receive Jesus. They believe, they trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Paul lays hands on them. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. They start prophesying. God is active and alive in this community through these 12 people. So Paul's going to say, hey, you 12, we're time, it's time to go. The gospel's got to go into this city. Yes, the, the, you know, demons seem to have a strong presence here. We're going to go into this city. So that's what happens. And he says in verse 8, if you want to follow along, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. He goes into the synagogues. Paul was a Jew, so he loved his Jewish brothers. He longed for them to know the hope of the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. He wanted them to have the same hope that he had. And so he goes into the synagogue for three months, and he boldly proclaims Jesus. He just keeps telling them about Jesus. And many are coming to hear and receive Jesus as the true Messiah. Very exciting time. And it says, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, the way of Christ, the Christ followers, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. So what happens here is he was in the synagogue. He was sharing Christ. People were coming to Christ. But he was there every day. He was speaking boldly about Jesus. And some people started saying, no, you know, We talked about this last week. We said, you know what? When you share Jesus, not everyone's going to receive Jesus Christ. Some are not going to say, I'm not ready. I don't understand. I don't grasp that. And so some may reject you. And so that's what happens in the synagogue. Everyone that was going to turn their heart over to Christ had really done so. And the rest started kind of putting up a, a wall, kind of fighting back. And so he says, you know what? I'm moving on. So where does he move on to? After three months, him and his 12, they move on to the Hall of Tyrannius. Now, what this was, was kind of like a uh, courtyard, kind of a place in the middle of Main Street where they would kind of take uh, kind of a rest in the afternoon. What would happen in this culture is that the people would get up really early and work really hard in the mornings while it was cool. And then about in the heat of the day, they would take a break. They would kind of take a lunch and they would kind of go out, maybe find some shade in the courtyard. And these people would start like a coffee house, kind of talking with each other, hearing each other. And so that's when they would take their break because in the afternoon, in the evening, they would go when it was cool again, they'd go back to work. So Paul and his friends would go there every day for two years and share this. He says, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Two years, I'm telling you, friend, that's pretty persistent, right? You know, he just kept going back, and they're like, oh, that's Paul. You know, after, you know, one year, they're like, that's Paul. He's sharing about Jesus. Everybody, you know, he just keeps telling you that this group needs to hear about Jesus. This group needs to hear about Jesus. It says that everyone in this whole region heard about the gospel. That's incredible. In two years, that's 12 people. They went out and just faithfully, daily shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everybody, 300,000 and maybe 100,000 out in the the country, heard about the gospel. That is amazing stuff, friend. 
So just a few things I want us to take away from this section. If you take a note, you can write a few things. The first thing is, is that when the gospel, the gospel always starts with one person sharing the good news. One person. Paul says, uh, do you know about, you know, uh, the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit? And he says, no, we haven't heard that. And he says, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus. So friend, who is it? Well, you know, are you just waiting for someone else to do it? It just takes one person that we would go to somebody. We love them enough to share with them the hope of Jesus. And Paul did that. And that's where the gospel will, take, uh, will move forward. The second thing I want you to see is that the gospel, when we share the gospel boldly, lives change. Did you see the boldness that, that, that Paul would just come after day after day after day in the, in the hall and he was just saying, I'm sharing. He went to the synagogue. I'm sharing. They're tired of me. I'll go here. Let's go out here to the, the, the hall of Tyrannius. And he said, let's share the gospel again. He just did this. He did this with boldness. And friends, sometimes I know we're scared, we're nervous, what our friends will think of us, what people might view us. Do we have that kind of boldness that we're willing to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ? Because God wants to use us to change a community for Christ. And that's what he was doing here in this community in Ephesus. He was changing them because people were boldly proclaiming Jesus. The third thing I want you to see is also that we need to be persistent in sharing of the gospel. And when we're persistent, many will come to Christ. They just did it day after day after day. They weren't like, oh, I'm taking a day off. I'm tired, you know, you know, once in a while. Can you imagine that consistent message of Jesus every day being talked about in the hall? You know, what, was, what if our workplace, what if our schools, if we were just consistently walking, hey, I want you to know about the love of Jesus. What, I want to tell you, I want to pray for you. Let me be praying for you. If we were just consistent Jesus in people's lives, many are going to receive Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. So let's continue. Let's be persistent in our faith. And the fourth thing I want you to see is that when people respond to the gospel, powerful, powerful miracles happen. And we see God do amazing things when people respond to Jesus. And we're going to see that here as we continue on. We're going to see Paul was doing amazing miracles in Ephesus. So continue on. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in verse 11 and continue on. It says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. So that even uh, a handkerchief or apron that would touch the skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Okay, here, first of all, he says they were doing extraordinary miracles. Okay, that's like, you know, as I'm thinking of Jesus, those were the big ones. Those are like, you know, not like, you know, healing me of my, you know, maybe allergies, things like that, you know, or paying for a bill. These were extraordinary, like Jesus bringing people back from the dead, you know, and maybe restoring sight to people. So here's what was going on. Paul was preaching in the name of Jesus, and the name of Jesus was doing all these incredible miracles throughout the town. It was like Paul decided, you know what, I can't be everywhere in this town. I can't go see those people in the, in the hospital today. So what he would do is he would pray over and bless like this, this napkin or this, you know, kitchen cloth. And he would say, would you take this to them? People would take that to them and they would receive the healing and the blessing and the restoration out of that. People were getting restored. Uh, demons were leaving because of this. It was just incredible what was going on in Ephesus. There was just these powerful, powerful miracles going on. 
Then even some of the Jewish uh, leaders, uh, rabbis were doing this. They were saying, well, let's take the name of Jesus too. So let's continue on. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So even the exorcists, the Jewish exorcists, let's take the name of Jesus. That's the best way to cast them out. It's working. It's happening. So that's what's going on. It's saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims, you know, so they were, you know, casting out evil spirits and, and even demonic spirits in the name of Jesus because that's the name of Paul. They could see the power of Jesus in the community. And even this Jewish rabbi's sons take it on. They, they say, well, let's go out and, you know, do healings in the name of Jesus also. Verse 14, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Scabia were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. Paul, I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> that would have been a pretty scary statement, okay? They're going out doing these healings because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They're just saying, Paul, we see what you're doing. We see the power of Jesus. And they're saying, hey, we can do the same thing. So they go out and this, they run into this evil spirit. And the spirit says, hey, we know Jesus. Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Because you're not even in relationship with Jesus. You're doing this. You're just almost borrowing the power of Jesus was going on. And so this evil spirit in this man, it says, and the man in whom the evil spirit leapt on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So this man under the control of the spirit beats up these sons, kicks them out naked. They run, they flee, they're beaten up. Pretty humiliating stuff, right? So we'd probably think, you know what, win, win, win for, uh, you know, the evil spirits, but not so fast. This is what it says. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Okay, here's what happens. Maybe they were not believers yet. Maybe they were very young believers, but fear fell upon the whole city. The whole city started recognizing, wow, there's a lot of evil in this community. It's becoming evident everywhere. I see it now. I see what's going on. I see this, you know, the, the, this oppression. I see this darkness in the city, and they see the brokenness all over the city. It's becoming evident to all of them. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. there is power in the name of Jesus. So what do they do? They extol, extol the name of Jesus. What does that mean? They lift high the name of Jesus. They start praising and worshiping Jesus. That's what's going on. So there's no victory over this, you know, these guys getting run out. The name of Jesus and the whole community is expanding and everyone is knowing it. And we see lives being transformed. And this is what it says. And also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. So these people said, whoa, there's, there's power in the name of Jesus. I want to know this Jesus. I want hope in this Jesus. Their lives are being transformed by the gospel. And so they start coming forward and they start saying, you know what? Uh, what I've been doing is wrong. What, how I've been making my money, what I've been, you know, they see, they, they just radically start confessing to one another. I no longer want to live this way is what they're saying in that confession. And it says, a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all of them. There was a lot of magic. 
There was a lot of um, uh, you know, spells and binding, and, and, and they would take these books, and they brought them together, and they said, no, 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 this, this is not power. There's power in the name of Jesus. They brought their books, and they threw them. They said, get rid of them. Burn them. We don't want to even live this way anymore. We don't want to live under the power of these spells. There's no power here. And it says, and they cont- counted the value of those books and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That would have been millions of dollars today, okay? So they, we see this radical changed life, and it says, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail. God's word kept increasing and prevailing and moving on the Spirit of God. You see, this city had a very evil presence. This city had a wickedness about it. And yet we see Jesus, the power of Jesus, the power of the Spirit transformed. So there's a couple things I want you to know here. Someone in here might be thinking, you know what, I'm just giving in. I've been struggling with this thing for a long time. I don't think I'll ever be able to overcome this. Well, I'm telling you, friend, the influence of the enemy, when the influence of the enemy gets stronger and fires up, let me tell you, the influence of God is always stronger. We just sang about a mighty God. Yes, we have a mighty God. God's power is stronger than any influence. Whatever you can kind of, you know, maybe you think, I'll never be able to shake this. I'll never, you know, I feel guilt. I don't feel worth. I don't feel value. Let me tell you, God's power in your life is stronger through the Holy Spirit. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the name of Jesus. And he will give you the power to overcome that. One of the examples I want to give you is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, which is, by the way, Ephesus, this is where he would write to, Paul's going to write to a letter later on to the people of Ephesus, these same people, and this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 18 through 20, he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So friend, this is what the enemy tried to do. The enemy tried to say, oh no, let's keep Jesus in that grave. We're going to roll that tomb. We're going to seal it. That's the end of that story. But that wasn't the end of the story, was it? And that wasn't the end of the story. There's power. God raised him from the grave. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he raises Jesus. And friend, that same power that raised Jesus is a power that is alive to us to overcome whatever obstacles, whatever darkness that you're facing today. Friend, there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we need to know that when there is power from the enemy and there's greater power, God's power is even greater. So we need to trust that. And the second thing I want you to know is that where there is faith and where there is power, extraordinary miracles happen. And we see this time and time again. Friends, sometimes we doubt, God, are you ever going to do anything? I've been praying about this a long time. Sometimes he moves even in the waiting. Sometimes he even, but I want you to know God does do miracles. There are powerful miracles today. I had lunch with a guy a couple weeks ago, and he was, you know, had cancer, and, and he was told, hey, get your affairs in order. It doesn't look very good. This is overwhelming. And we prayed, and we prayed mightily for him. And, and you know, he did do radiation and treatments, but 
the cancer's gone. He's in remission. And we say, praise God. That's exactly what we prayed for. Yes, we thank you, Lord. But also I want you to know, sometimes it's not exactly like we pray and we ask. But it doesn't mean that God isn't moving. It doesn't mean that there's still not a miracle in our lives. I got to tell you, um, I was young in the ministry. I was early on. I was a youth minister out in Colorado Springs. And um, two months into being in the youth ministry, one of my youth leaders, he said, hey, I want you to come to the hospital. We're having a baby. I want you to pray with us and celebrate this wonderful new life. And so I knew that they were going into the hospital. I was excited, waiting for the call. Well, he called me and he said, George, I need you to get up here right away. I said, oh, what's going on? And he just said, I need you to get up here right away. And I went to the hospital, and I walked into the room, and you could just tell there was a heaviness. And he, they'd been crying and emotional, and he said, let's go down to the kind of, there's a kind of a chapel there. So we went down to the chapel, and he said, they just told us that our, our son has Down syndrome. And he was a football coach, okay, at a big high school. And you can imagine his dreams. And he said, George, will you just pray with me? Pray with me that this won't be true, that he doesn't have Down syndrome. Pray that whatever they figure out in these next testings, that it will be okay. And, and we, we prayed together in that chapel. But I got to tell you, his son had Down syndrome. And, and the deal is, I want you to know it. Two years later, he came back to me. He said, George, I want to go out. He said, I want you to know God absolutely answered our prayers. He moved in a mighty way. I want you to know that that son that has Down syndrome has been the greatest gift to our family and our lives. He is transformed. I see the love of Jesus every day in his life and his family, how he's brought our family together. He was exactly what God wanted for us, and he knew that we needed. And so God does move in miracles when we have faith and we pray and we see power. So trust in him. Extraordinary miracles happen. And the third thing I want you to know is when people are transformed by the gospel, they start to choose to walk in holiness and purity. That's what happens. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. doesn't mean that we don't struggle, but we want more of the things of God. When they came and turned their lives over to Jesus, they started throwing, throw my book in there, you know? I don't want any more of that. You know, throw it, you know, I don't want anything more of the sin and the struggles that I've been in. No, I want more of Jesus, and we want more of the holiness of God. We want more of his purity and righteousness. And that's what we hunger for in, more in our lives. And we see that in this passage. I got to tell you, when I've seen people come to Christ, I've seen some people throw away their whole music collections. They're just like, no, not, no that's not me anymore. I've seen people just pour out alcohol, literally come home and pour out the, that's not me. I'm not living that way anymore. I'm not giving that up because I want more of Jesus. And we see people that are pursuing, when we understand and understand the gospel, we pursue the things of Jesus, his holiness and his righteousness in our lives. And we see that. So we're going to conclude this story. We're going to wrap it up real quickly. The, the people in this city started to, the city, the city started to change, okay? And it started to affect even their economics of the city. And that's where a lot of them were like, wait a second, I'm not going to let you mess up our economics. So let's conclude this in verse 21. If you have your Bibles, it says this. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and, uh, and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent uh, into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Aratus, uh, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. In other words, there was a big mess that you know, arose. They were, you know, a big disturbance. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made a silver shrine of Artemis, 
brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in their similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only, you know, with this that our trade, but of ours, but there's danger not only of this trade of ours, but also may disrepute become uh, to the temple of the great goddess Artemis, may be counted as nothing, that she may be de- deposed of her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So what goes on is these guys say, you know what, let's get together. If you've ever been in the airport after you visited a, like a different country or something, in the airport, there's all these little trinkety things, right? In Guatemala, there's like this arch and these, all these paintings. Well, these people made statues, little statues that people would buy of the, the temple Artemis. And so they, that's how they made their money, and they made a great living. And everybody would come and worship and then buy these on the way out. Well, he says, you know what? Our business is down. Because this Paul, this Paul's been going around telling the whole of Asia about Jesus. And now people are saying, our God's not a real God, and God made with hands, I don't know how many power, and they're listening to his God. Well, we need to, you know, they, they, they kind of fired them up. So what happens is this big kind of riot breaks out. And, you know, um, it's kind of like if you've ever been on um, kind of public right to know and somebody starts a topic and by the end it's like, what are we even talking about? People are fighting about stuff they don't even know, you know, and that's kind of what happened. They jumped in and they're like, you know, fighting with each other, like, let's get this Paul, let's get him out and let's write him out of here. And so they don't even know what's going on. But I want you to know the, the, the good news is, is God had a mission. He was transforming the city and that that riot was thwarted, and the power of God was raised up in that community. And so the name of Jesus was raised up. So friend, when God, you know, it looks doesn't look good, God has a mission, he's going to accomplish that mission. He's going to do that good work and whatever he's, you know, trying to do. And that's exactly what he did in this community. And we see him literally just transforming this city. Friend, how could we transform our community for Jesus? You know, there's, there's a lot of things in our community that aren't, there's a lot of evil. You know, there's a lot of alcohol, drugs, there's a lot of uh, gossip and backbiting. You know what? This community needs hope. So God might be wanting to calling us to share the gospel, to be hope dealers in this community that we would share, that tell people, no, you're not worthless. You know, you have a purpose. God's given you a purpose. He has a, a life for you in Jesus Christ. So may we be hope dealers to this community. Amen? May he use us to really be persistent witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may this community, like Ephesus, be changed and transformed because of the power of the gospel. And then may he be using each one of us to share that gospel. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this example we see in Ephesus. And we see Paul with his boldness. And Father, I pray that we would have boldness. I pray that you'd use us to to boldly share and be persistently sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus. And you would transform our community. Father, we'd see the the power of Jesus. We see miracles here and and restorations of lives and relationships. And and Father, healing. Uh, Father, we just pray that in the name of Jesus that you'd use us. 
And Father, may when we get down or discouraged, when we remember we, we have a big, big Father that has power. And, and Father, we would trust you and lean on you and grow in you. And Father, that we would turn from our wickedness and turn from our evil ways to pursue more of you and the more of the things of God. More, Father, we just thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a blessed week.